Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. I'll be joined in a minute by Hilo, Mark Garcia at Hilo FF. He has got a lot of exciting things going on, which we'll talk about at the end of the podcast. But today we're here to talk about DraftKings finally coming out with best ball with my inability living in Pennsylvania to play on underdog uh, my, my tournament uh, best ball is going to DraftKings. I will max out the $3. And depending on my motivation level on day-to-day, somewhere probably 20 or 30, I'm guessing, by the time the season starts uh, of the Millionaire Maker at $20. If, it, if they had come out earlier, I probably would have gotten – I might have done 100 of those. So um, – there's still a few things that aren't on the app. If you are a fan of the DK best ball, let them know about draft boards. Let them know about um, making it easier to see rosters and some of the other things. There's a few, just a few things that need um, that underdog does have from what I'm told. Um, again, I can't play there, but um, anyway, um, my regular, best ball i'm still playing on the ffpc and speaking of our friends at the ffpc best ball still going on the main event uh is going on with slow drafts fast drafts are coming soon and you can still play dynasty football dynasty right now is probably one of the biggest advantages out there with the unknown about the 2020 season there are and and without knowing much about 2021 rookies with the college season in trouble. Uh, If you are good at that, Dynasty is a great way to play. Go to myffpc.com to play today. Mark, welcome back to the show, my friend. Okay, it happened again. Mark got signed out. Mark, can you hear me now? I got you now. I've been here the whole time. Oh, good, good. Yeah, but your mic was turned off, and I didn't turn it off. And uh, thank you, Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, 
Hey, it's good to be here, man. <laughs> Long time no talk. So excited yep, we'll, to be chatting again. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward. Mark and I will be working together again this year on one week season. Um, I've told JM to win that I don't know, especially with all the football guys tourneys I'm in, that I'm going to be able to do every Saturday night. Mark is pretty busy too, but we're going to try and give you as many weeks together as we can. On weeks when we can't, I may do alternative um, projects, you know, maybe interviews, uh, people from uh, the world of DFS, things like that. Uh, or or do an earlier pod uh, before uh, JM comes out with his final article. We also might do Saturday during the day and not wait for the grid. So it's not going to be a grid podcast per se like last year, Mark, but I, I hope you and I get to do at least 10 to, to, 10 to 12 uh, if the NFL season goes the full season. I hope we get to do at least 10 to 12 and we'll play it by ear about doing every week. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm uh, as as long as I've got the time and and the motivation will be here. It's just about getting us together and uh, giving us a time where we can sit down and chat. But yeah, it should be good, man. Yeah, well, we'll hold our normal uh, Saturday night eight EST time period open. But I know this year you're West Coast, so that's five p.m. for you. So um, I might be able to do it a little later, like nine some weeks, but. It's hard for me to stay awake, honestly. Yeah, no, um, actually, with the uh, with the family life, that actually works out better for me. So I can I can uh, on Saturdays or whenever we're doing these, I can get the kiddos dinner early, send them up to watch TV or something while we uh, you know sit down for an hour hour and a half and knock it out, and then I can go get them to bed. So it might work out. Yes, seven is even better for me Eastern time, to be honest. Um, I do prayer on Saturday nights at eight and I missed most of it last year. So, uh, but we'll see, we'll play it by ear. And, um, but today we're here to talk about DraftKings best ball product and I'm really enjoying it. Um, you know, there's a few things missing that, um, there's a few things missing that used to, um, that are on some of the other sites, but we're not going to focus on negatives. So the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that it uses all the DK scoring and settings that we're used to. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about roster construction and how it's different than the FFPC, i.e., um, you know, other sites as it relates to starters, um, you know, one quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end and a flex position. Um, am I missing anything with that? Nope. All right. And, uh, um, it's it, it's interesting with the uh, three wide receivers. Um, I really like that. And the reason why is because the game itself has gone more running back centric in the sense that running backs are pushed up the draft boards uh, for the past probably three years now uh, when looking at best ball. So with the running backs being pushed up the board, it's, nice and adds a little competitiveness uh, that you really, you haven't had to think about until now uh, with the three wide receiver spots where you have to start three. Now that affects your roster construction a little bit, but what it does for me really is moves some wide receivers up my board. uh, And we'll talk about that here shortly. Well, and it's funny because you haven't been playing, but I have, 
And one of the things I did want to talk about, and we'll get to it in a little bit, is, you know, where the positions are going and how it affects things. But I will say mm-hmm. that I, I am much more likely uh, in general not to go zero uh, wide uh, re- uh, running back, but I have done a couple zero running backs, um, you know, where I haven't taken a running back to the fifth round. And just in general, uh, because wide receiver, all right, I'll just get into it and say wide receivers go early, um, you know, where yep. on the FFPC, where you only have two starting wide receivers and two flexes each week, you normally can get really good wide receivers. You know, the guys who are going in the 10th, 11th, and 12th rounds on FFPC are really going in the 8th, 9th, and 10th. Um, so you re- there really is, and, and with three starters, I mean, to me, that means I want six good wide receivers and, and one or two. So let's just talk about roster construction. So for me, with 20 players, Mark, base formation for these is three quarterbacks, six running backs, eight wide receivers, and six quarter, uh, uh, and three tight ends. Um, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's going to be really your place to deviate from. And the reason to deviate is if you go heavier in one place versus another. Typically, you are going to want three quarterbacks. Um, there's, a, there's a reason and sometimes where you would drop down to two, but I would not advise that this year with all the unknowns with COVID and everything that that's going to induce. You know, if you lose – if you lose a quarterback to COVID and your other quarterback is on bye when you only took two, now you're taking a fat goose egg. So a uh, little bit more propensity to be a little bit more safe with roster construction this year. So the three quarterbacks and three tight ends is definitely a place to deviate from. And I would really only deviate from those if you are really taking two of the top five of the position, which almost I am never doing. So um, the where yeah. you're really going to, where you're really going to tinker in those roster constructions is the six running back and eight wide receivers. Um, that's again, really your place to deviate from reasons to possibly go five and nine there, or uh, I probably wouldn't take seven running backs ever. Uh, so either six running backs, eight wide receivers, or the five and nine, if you really load up on running backs early. I have one seven running back team so far. <clears throat> and it was one where I didn't start running backs until late. And there was a seventh guy that was better on the board than anybody else. And I think that was the one draft that I had didn't draft three tight ends that I had two good ones. Um, but I am, in, or no, I think oh, I forget if it was a tight end or quarterback that I had two. Um, but um in general, I think, you know, the biggest thing to talk about here is that it's 20 rounds instead of 18, which I like better anyway. And with COVID is absolutely necessary because you want skill to determine these drafts, not injuries and certainly not a virus. And you could lose a lot more players. But in general, having 20 over 18 adds some interesting strategy to me, Mark. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. I re- I think twenty is a necessity, just like you said, uh, especially for this year, uh, and really any other year. I like twenty over eighteen to begin with, anyway. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, so for me, uh, you know, we're going to talk about how to use those extra two rounds. Uh, for me, one of them is absolutely, and I would do this whether it was a COVID or not. I really think, you know, based, uh, unless you're, pl- you know, we're talking about the tournaments here, right? So I'm talking about, but before we talk about the tournaments, I do want to talk about one other thing. And that's how this is a full PPR site, unlike Underdog is a, you know, which is run by the people who ran draft and it's the same format as FanDuel with half PPR. So how does it being full PPR change the dynamic for you, Mark, in a best ball? Yeah. So, I mean, it really, it's, about the positional variance. And what I mean by that is running backs versus running backs and wide receivers versus wide receivers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the, the bigger wrinkle is because of that drafting scoring with the um, over bonuses. So the, the three uh, points uh, for yet. over 300. Not, oh, not sorry. Yet. <laughs> yep, yep. Let's just stick yep. to the PPR conversation first. And uh, we're going to do a whole segment on uh, – on 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 the bonuses. All right, Papa Bear has spoken, guys. I gotta be quiet. No, I'm just sorry. Kidding. Uh, but yeah, the the PPR versus half PPR. It's again, it's just positional variance. Um, so guys like guys who are volume running backs, but really we can't expect much out of the passing game. Guys that come to mind, uh, you know, DMO. So David Montgomery, he would have been a guy that I would have been more. Uh, had a higher propensity to draft in half PPR than full PPR because really what we're looking for out of our first seven, eight rounds, we're looking for upside with floor. So really in a full PPR setting, Dave Montgomery, for example, is really only on that floor side of things where his pass game involvement isn't going to give him the weekly ceiling that we'd like to see there. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, a full PPR does two things. With three starting wide receivers, again, it it pushes the wide receivers up the board. And for me, the way I'm handling that is I talk a lot about tiebreakers in best ball, whether it's buys or stacking. Well, for me, in the first five or six rounds, if I've got a running back and a wide receiver close, I'm taking the wide receiver. The one thing you don't want in any draft, and it's something I've been, you know, kind of banging the table about a little bit this year, is the fact that um, you don't want to get heavy at a position and then the values that are left only be at that position. And so to stay, you know, at even value between running backs and wide receivers, I think you always want to have one more wide receiver than running back, ideally. Now, you don't drop a tier to take you know a wide receiver over a running back if you've got a a running back a tier higher than a wide receiver don't drop down but for me mark uh if i've got a wide receiver and a running back real close it's very easy for me in the top five rounds especially with running backs propensity to get injured to uh to shore up my wide receivers that's one thing and the other thing is it it puts backs like chris thompson Tarek cohen those pass-catching backs can be much more valuable to you in a best ball uh, in this format uh, because of it being full PPR versus half PPR. And um, those are my thoughts. Uh, your thoughts on that? 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, just a quick note on kind of your mantra of not overdrafting a position. Uh, in a standard best ball, I completely agree with that. In a tournament setting like this where you're looking for unique teams, you're looking for to, – to leverage kind of the unknowns to put yourself in the best position to succeed, to beat – 130,000 other people or however many are in each individual contest. I have a, I'm, I'll be more likely to stray from that standard kind of best ball draft strategy in order to build myself a unique lineup. Um, obviously it's riskier. You're not going to do that. If you're drafting five, 10 teams, what I'm talking about is if you are maxing these contests, you have the opportunity to mix up your, or de- I guess, not mix up, but deviate from kind of your biggest plus EV best ball draft strategy, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I think we'll get into that with exposure, which we're going to get here to in a second. But I agree. I think, you know, if you do 100 drafts, you want to have, you know, t- I always say take 10 to 20% of your drafts and do something different, right? <clears throat> you know, uh, whether it's, Going, you know, robust running back, even though I hate that phrase, or zero RB. Um, but I'm doing a lot more late uh, running back in this because of the format. And I feel like I can get away with it because of guys like Duke Johnson, uh, guys like Jarek McKinnon, you know, the, you know, guys like DeAndre Washington, guys who, you know, you can get in the 13th, you know, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th round of these drafts who can, you know, give you points, you know, that you want, you, you want your backups to, you know, it's great if you get the backup who wins you the league, we all want, you know, I'm not saying don't take guys like that, but when you're, when you're thinking of your position group, mixing in one or two pass catching uh, running backs out of the six, you know, those, those are guys who, you know, if they get five catches for 50 yards and a touchdown one week, and even if they don't, they can be your starter that week. And that to me is better than taking, uh, you know, a guy like Jamal Williams, who is more likely, even though he does catch some passes, <clears throat> has got two other running backs there. Yeah, and that, that's true in any standard season and even more true for this year. This is definitely 2020 is going to go down as kind of the fantasy football year of survival in the sense that you, you're going to need additional depth, and those guys are definitely uh, valid depth pieces for best ball rosters. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, so what one thing that I really like there is the fact that they have the famous tournaments that we know, the play action and the uh, Millie Maker. So there's a $20 tournament, and just like, it's brethren in DFS. That's 150 max. And they kept the play action at 20 max. So to me, the 20 max is a very interesting case study for how to build your exposure. Um, I, in general, again, for me, exposure in the year of COVID, you know, I'm even, you know, even in a tournament like that where it's, you know, 20 entries, I really don't want more than 30, 35% of a guy. Uh, your thoughts on overall exposure during COVID and in, in trying to do these tournaments. Last year in underdog, not underdog, draft, 
I got 17 teams through in week one, but they were pretty similar teams with similar players. And when they didn't get go off, I, I got eliminated from all 17 and didn't make it to week two. I think you really want to, we're going to have a big discussion on stacks, but I think all the more you want to mix up your stacks and your exposures, Mark. Yeah, so there's that's kind of a two-sided coin for me in the sense that I would break down – hold on real quick. Well, what I mean by that is, you know, like, again, 25 – if you have a, a, a team you really like and you've got 25 30% stacks with that team, you've got huge leverage on the field. Sure, yeah, 100%. Um, for – in a traditional sense, for stacks, I would limit my exposure uh, in the, if you're not maxing out, I guess, uh, to say there, where I would, where the, the flip side of that coin comes into play is for the high leverage running backs specifically, where we know if the starter gets hurt, they are going to see additional run, or if the starter gets COVID, misses time, they're going to see, basically jump into a high end RB2, RB1 you know, threshold, Darrington Evans, uh, Chase Edmonds, you know, these guys where we know, you know, before the season, if the starter goes down or misses time due to COVID or anything happens, they are uh, a high leverage play. Those are the individual players late that I'm willing to stay overweight on. And I think that is a a game theory discussion in game uh, or in variance in the sense that you're leveraging the variance in your favor in a season where there's already going to be a high variance. And, and that plays again into the fact that wide receiver early heavy make is what happens here. And if you can come out with four or five really good wide receivers in the first six rounds, you know, you've got the core to where you should be able to put up three good ones every week. If you're mixing your exposure up, in those early wide receivers as well. And running backs, that allows you, you know, if I get out of round eight with two good running backs, you know, I know that that whole second tier, I can take four or five of those second tier guys. So that's kind of how I've been doing a lot of these. You know, if there's a running back early that I really like, you know, once in a while I'll come out of the first two rounds one and one. But if, if, you know, if Devontae Adams is there at seven or eight, if Tyreek Hill's there at seven or eight, if uh, Michael Thomas is still there at that point, I'm, I'm very likely to start wide receiver, wide receiver. And then third and fourth round, you know, we, you and I have talked about this already, how the wide receivers are better than the running backs in that area this year. Yep, 100%. And, and that allows you to, you know, then you get to the fifth, sixth round, um, the other position that I found really, really you can wait on is tight end. Uh, Kels and Kittle tend to go at the turn at the end of the second round, beginning of the third round, and on from there. I mean, I've been taking – I got Mike Gesicki in the 10th or 11th round uh, in a couple of these, and even the 13th, 14th round – that, that Irv Smith tier is still hanging around. Sometimes Jarwin is there. I mean, I know it's not the FFPC, but that is pretty late for tight end. So 
if you have, especially if you're like me and you've played a lot of FFPC this year, you know, delay that urge to take tight end unless they're just completely the best guy that you've got on the board because they're going to be there later. Uh, so that yeah. that really co- that really covers exposure for me. Do you have a thought on the tight end? Yeah, a hundred percent. With this format, it's going to be highest EV to wait on both quarterback and tight end. Um, and the reason I say that is after the top three to five at each position, respectively, it's those are the flattest positions. So if you do well in managing your exposure and hitting uh, with those late round tight ends and quarterbacks, you have a, a better chance uh, to leverage the field than the guys who are taking those positions early, especially non-tight end premium and especially with uh, the bonuses that we'll refer to later. Yeah, well, and that, it's funny. Uh, I was just about to go, Mark, it's now your turn to talk about the bonuses. So uh, <laughs> we, 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 we haven't worked together in a while, folks. Uh, the importance of the bonus at 300 yards for the quarterback and 100 yards for other positions. Mark, talk about it in general. I've done a study. Um, uh, Mike Leone was nice enough to send me where you can find uh, the top, you know, how many times uh, each player hit that bonus last year. Uh, it's on football reference. There's a, a link. And, um, but basically, you know, studying who did it, I think, you know, had some interesting surprises for me. Uh, but in general, how important, and especially in a best ball, where we always talk about spike weeks being important in best ball, nothing is going to help you spike more than landing that uh, 300-yard passing bonus and a couple hundred-yard bonuses in a a week, Mark. Yeah, 100%. And what I will look at when hunting for those bonuses is the same team's defense and then the projected volume for – uh, the quarterback in question. The, there are really two late quarterbacks that stand out in this format as guys who could have a higher propensity than others to ooh, hit that I, bonus. I know who you're going to say. Ooh, ooh, can I guess? Yeah, 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 guess. I think. Can I guess you two, Joe Burrow and Teddy Bridgewater? No, you're actually both wrong. Oh, wow. Uh, they are – the reason uh, for Burrow – for where I would say uh, no to that is because we know that the via the coaching trends towards the end of the year, we know that um, the offensive line was improving as well as Cincinnati's defense was improving. They invested additional draft capital and free agent acquisitions to both sides of the ball there. Uh, So in my opinion, uh, Cincinnati is going to try and protect their rookie franchise quarterback a little bit more this year uh, than what we've seen in the past. So you're not on him this effect. year. Correct. I'm not. Uh, well, I, mean, I haven't yes drafted no. him. I haven't drafted him much, but I know you've always been really high on the Bengals offense. So that's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, who are your two? My two would be Gardner Minshew and, um, oh, Christ, now I got thrown off. I don't know that quarterback. Uh, Sam, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a cool name. Uh, Sam Darnold, actually. Uh, so the Jets and uh, the uh, Jaguars attacking the because the defense is so bad. Exactly, I, I attacking think... these bottom feeder teams that where we can project high weekly volume, and that's really 
all you can ask for at their respective ADPs. The two guys who really surprised me in, in my analysis of, uh, you know, and again, last year isn't always an indicator of this year, but Matt Ryan led all quarterbacks in number of 300 weeks. If you take Julio in the second and Ridley in the fourth, I've, I did this once today. You know, Ryan is sitting there eighth, ninth round. You, you then have that double stack. If you really want to get chippy, you can throw in uh, Gurley in the third and uh, Hurst, uh, in, you know, in like the 11th or the 12th if you really want to go heavy on that stack. Uh, I tend not to go that heavy on the stack um, because um, I, I feel like if you've got five guys in the stack, you know, all the best players, it's really rare for them to go off. But uh, the other guy that I want to mention, uh, you know, the tight end, who led the league in hundred yard weeks last year was Waller. Mm-hmm. He had five, he had five weeks where Kels and Kittle were, were both two or three and you're drafting Waller four or five rounds after you're drafting Kels and Kittle. I thought, you know, I, I just think, you know, a guy like that's who's explosive, a guy that I've been interested in, in best ball uh, in the, in DK because of the hundred yard bonus, is George Fant because I think he's a real boomer buzz guy. And I think, you know, he breaks off one of those 60, 70 yard plays two, three times a year. He gets you that bonus uh, much later. And, you know, you mix them with other tight ends who are more stable, but those were the two Mark that um, in, in reviewing last year were a bit of a surprise to me. Waller uh, having two more hundred yard weeks than anyone and Matt Ryan leading the running, uh, the, the quarterbacks. And I think that goes to your point about how Matt Ryan did that because their defense was bad last year. Yeah, exactly. So with those bonuses, you got to start looking at projected volume a little bit more and placing a little bit more weight on that. Um, because now you're talking about half a touchdown uh, if they break those bonus thresholds at their respective positions. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty big. And now you're talking adding PPR to the mix as well. Uh, and those, those dual threat running backs are really, there's no edge to be had because they're already going where they should be, but it plays a little bit more heavy emphasis on those kind of dual threat running backs uh, up top as well. Yeah. I, I think that in general, Mark, you know, I've always been a, a big spike week guy at quarterback in best ball. Getting those 30-point weeks is, you know, because quarterback scoring is so flat, being able to put up weeks that are, you know, five, six, seven points ahead of where that midline is that most quarterbacks get each week is very important. But I think with uh, these bonuses, it really behooves you to chase guys who, you know, are boom and bust. Uh, not a whole team of boom and bust guys, but I think, you know, if you're like, I always talk about risk, like a cocktail, you know, and uh, risk is the alcohol. I think, you know, a little bit stronger drink is, uh, is in order in playing DK best ball. Oh yeah. And I'll add something, just draft big Ben, just do it this year. Trust me in best ball, just draft him. People just immediately forgot that his home road splits are the way that they are. And if he's healthy, he's going to win people a lot of money this year. 
Yep, and we're going to get into stacks heavily at the end here. But, um, you know, again, one of the things about stacks is there's certain stacks that you might want that are hard to get. Like, I like the Cardinals. Everyone knows I like the Cardinals. You can take Drake in the first and Hopkins in the second and get Kyler in the fifth, but that's a lot of uh, draft capital. Uh, You know, as we get into the talk in a minute on stacking, there's one thing I want to cover first, but in general, the Steelers, that's what I wanted to talk about. Ben is going late, like 12th, 13th round. You're getting Deontay in the seventh or the eighth, Juju in the third or the fourth. And then James Washington is basically free. Ebron is close to free. Um, I think the Steelers stacks are really, really exciting for uh, these tournaments. So speaking of the tournaments, um, you know, Mark, what we've got here is the fact that you have one week playoffs, just like, um, just like you did on uh, draft. And so any thoughts, um, on how to attack a progressive tournament like that. Yeah, it's all about uh, managing your exposure level, uh, in my opinion. There's there's two kind of thoughts on where you should be, where your head should be at when you're thinking about your ownership levels and managing your risk associated with, especially not just advancing, but making those championship rounds and then how you're going to fare. Similar to like what you said earlier with, 17 teams of your draft teams making it through and then none advancing past that first week. Um, and one way to do that is to build various teams with varying late round stacks. And what I mean by those are the cheap stacks, right? The three that come to my mind, you mentioned the Steelers, and then it was leveraging those quarterbacks that I uh, referred to earlier. Uh, with the New York Jets uh, as well as uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those are offenses where we can expect uh, high weekly volume, and that volume is going to be highly concentrated. Uh, We've got, you know, with New York, we've got uh, Mims nursing an injury. We know it's probably going to affect his start and a slow start. So really from there, you're looking at the quarterback, uh, Darnold, and you're looking at – Jamison Crowder, so the full PPR uh, boosts his numbers pretty significantly. Um, and Herndon. And, and Herndon, exactly. So those are all cheap guys where you can do a full stack, get three members from that team uh, in probably, I would guess, the one that's going the earliest is probably uh, Jamison Crowder. Uh, probably, I don't know, the ADP, probably in the ninth, tenth round in this format. Is that where he's going? Uh, yeah, right in that range. Yeah, okay. Um, so, and then uh, probably Herndon after him, who I would guess would be going in the 11th and 12th, maybe a little later. And then Darnold after him. That's so juicy. So, yeah, stack that offense. Get a full stack. You can go overweight the field with that stack because it's so cheap. And don't forget Perriman. With the... Yeah, yeah. And Perriman's uh, prospectus for this year was uh, inflated when Mims – already with no rookie camp OTAs, all that good stuff. Now he's missing preseason camp. Uh, So 
and we have no preseason games. So we know that uh, Perriman is going to get every chance that uh, he's going to be afforded every chance to kind of take that uh, wide receiver two spot and run. Now, conversely, yeah. looking at the Jaguars, again, super cheap stack. Minshew is probably going in the quarterback 22 to 24 range, somewhere in there. Uh, yeah. And you've got LaVisca Chenault, who everybody from the Jaguars camp is raving about. Uh, yes, rookie, uh, but now we're talking about the risk with him being a rookie is mitigated by the fact that his ADP is so low. So, um, And then DJ Chark is probably the most expensive of that stack, obviously, probably in the fifth to sixth round turn range, somewhere in there uh, in this format. So these these cheap stacks that you can get you can afford yourself the opportunity to go heavier exposure uh, kind of mitigate some of the risks associated with managing your overall stacks uh, because of the risk with this year. Yep. All right. So my number one strategy advice is um, to, to advance uh, all three weeks <clears throat> is to triple stack. Okay. And, you don't have to have a full stack for all three teams, but try and build correlations with all three of your quarterbacks. It's not going to happen every draft, but it's going to, I've done it now multiple times where I've got three, each of my quarter, you know, I had one with Kyler Kirk, Drake and Hopkins, Minshew shark. And, and then I took uh, Chris Thompson and, um, you know, so I, I forget who my third quarterback was on that team, but I'm going into every draft again, where I normally say, don't, you know, drop a tier to do a strategy. When it comes to stacking these, I, I don't know that I would drop a full tier, but I will drop a half tier, right? The bottom of one tier and the top of the next, um, you know, like I just took uh, Calvin Ridley. I had Julio in the second. And I wanted to get Ridley and, you know, he never would have made it back to me. And I had two wide receivers, one of them, Amari Cooper. And I forget who the other one was, who normally I would have drafted ahead of Ridley, but I took Ridley. I got Ryan and, you know, that's my Atlanta stack team. And so I really believe uh, Mark that uh, trying to get three sets of stacks that gives you three different chances each week of one, you know, that team has three chances. Now, if they go off that week for you to advance. Yeah, I like that. Yep. And then the, the other thing that I'm doing is there's teams that you have to stack early and there are teams that um, like you have mentioned, you can get late. So you can draft normally for the most part early. And, and what I do is I only focus on one stack early. So whether it's the Cardinals or it's the Steelers, uh, if you're lucky enough to get a chief stack, I mean, one draft I took, uh, Hill already went and I was on uh, at the 12 uh, and the, you know, the 12 spot and I took Mahomes and Kels. Now Mahomes is going very early in these. He's going, you know, early, you know, I've seen him go in the first round. Um, so I took him at 112 and Kels at 2-1. And, and that was my quote, you know, in the $3, that was my one chief stack. And I was able to get my home, uh, Mikol later for that stack. Uh, there's a few other teams that are, 
really good early. Um, any ones that come to your mind, Mark, on early stacks? Yeah, you mentioned Atlanta. Uh, I like them again this year um, for stacking purposes. Casey is going to be tough. So what I would do for kind of managing or trying to build some KC stacks is maybe go Mahomes Kels. And then if you were still drafting that team, I would have possibly gone both Nicole and um, Sammy Watkins in the off chance that something happens to Tyreek. Now you have both starting wide receivers on the chiefs. So kind of thinking about things in that sense and seeing how you can differentiate your stacks versus the field and kind of leverage a little bit of the, that game theory, that thing that I'm always rattling on about. Yeah. The, um, the Packers, you could go uh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones early. Uh, I've got a lot of Devontae Adams because I think he's going to have a big year. Rodgers is very cheap, so you can get him uh, in, in a reasonable time. Um, I've built one team with New Orleans, Michael Thomas early, added Sanders and Breeze. Uh, you could throw in Jared Cook if you want. I didn't. Um, and then later... Uh, I mean, my favorite so far, you nailed, is the Jaguars. Because the other thing I, I think we talk about this 19th and 20th player. I mean, to me, there's such dart throws there. Dart throw guys who are going to stack up. So uh, with my uh, Kyler Kirk, uh, Nuck, Drake stack, uh, maybe I didn't have Drake on that one, but I had the two wide receivers and Ky- I didn't have Drake. I had the two wide receivers and Kyler. I took Eno Benjamin in the 20th round. I think Reggie Bonifon is a, is an interesting guy um, in the 20th round. You, you, you really want to see, this is how you can win a million dollars is by having a 20th round backup who plays that week 16 and goes off with your stack that you you really never counted on. And I'm looking at uh, round 19 and 20, Mark, almost as a bonus round. You know, it's kind of like if you're doing a math problem and you throw in an extra column uh, for sorting. Um, uh, yeah, so you, you get what I'm saying here, correct? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so I, 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 you know, and the Jaguars are easy to do that with. Dee uh, Dee Westbrook, Conley, uh, Oliver, the tight end, Chris Thompson. There, there's a lot of guys, you know, so if you don't have to build your third stack till late, Jimmy Garoppolo with Jalen Hurd and the Jarek McKinnon. Um, but build some, you know, uh, as much as I can. I want to come out of every draft with three stacks because in the playoff weeks, now we know stacking works. Uh, in one week uh, season, so to speak, uh, and Delhi fantasy going into a uh, playoff week with three different options for your stack to hit that week and advance you. I, I just think it's a no brainer. Yeah, I like that. And that's something that really I hadn't uh, executed yet. So I'm going to throw that into the old bag of tricks. I like that. Yeah. And, and again, there's guys, you know, back, you know, the backup to someone who, you know, you might not have the starting running back for your stack, but having the backup running back with your, you know, uh, who's the stealer backup, uh, 
running back. That uh, McFarland goes very late McFarlane. in these. Big Benny Snell is undrafted most times. Um, you know, throw that guy in t- as your 20th round pick, your, your, your sixth running back. Um, pick a tight end, you know, who's a backup. Uh, so, yeah, that to me is really the key. So, um, it, you know, you've talked a little bit about it. Um, let's, let's just look positionally, Mark, uh, at, at, the, uh, at these positions. Who do you like more at quarterback in this format than regular season long and regular best ball? Yeah, so I named uh, I named the few or the yeah the few earlier uh, Big Ben, Darnold, and um, Minshew, and then I don't know if I can like Teddy more than I already do, but he's still up there for me. Uh, and, that, that's something then, I wanted to cover. I'm uh, go ahead, finish up. Go ahead on the quarterback, Teddy. Yep, I, I own. You're good. All right, so Teddy is my probably my most owned quarterback in these. The one downside is know when you're going into these uh, Carolina stacks and there's a couple other um, teams. I'm going to look them up in a minute who have week 13 buys. So uh, Carolina is one of the big ones that has a week 13 buy and you're starting, uh, you know, but it's, it's great because I've started getting DJ Moore in the fourth round. And I have to believe it's because uh, people are, you know, sh- uh, shying away from those guys because of the fact that they are uh, Tampa Bay is another team that has a week 13 buy. So you want to make sure that you're getting a, a, a discount on these guys because of that fact, because it does hurt you a little bit. But as Mark mentioned earlier, you have to get to week 13 to advance um, and and getting fourth round DJ Moore to me is a great way to to do it. Yeah, and you ask you you also have to think about. So one of the big proponents of game theory is everybody working with a the same starting knowledge and then trying to solve a game. So that that's really what game theory in a nutshell boils down to. So if everybody knows that week thirteen is the first elimination round or advancement round and everybody knows that there's two teams that have week 13 buys and those players are slipping i guarantee you not everybody thinks about the fact that the the there are going to be less teams that advance to week 14 the second playoff round that have players from those teams on them because it is going to be that much harder to advance in that knockout round with players from that team so i would be more apt to go overweight the players from Tampa Bay and from Carolina, knowing that it's going to be harder for players to, or teams to advance to week 14 with players from those teams on them. The way that you mitigate that is like, we've talked about everything up to this point with managing your exposure, triple stacks, all the different things that we've talked about of how to advance in the playoff rounds. So now you're actually giving yourself a plus EV, a higher chance, of taking down a million dollars if you have players from those teams because there aren't going to be as many teams advancing to week 14 with those players. Yeah. Um, it's ugly, 
and I haven't done it yet, but, you know, Paris Campbell, um, who's that rookie for Indianapolis? Pittman and Phillip Rivers, that's a stack you could build late. If you really want a, a, a late, late mini stack, you could go with Goff, Everett, and Reynolds. And you figure that if you get Everett and Reynolds, it, most weeks it's either going to be an Everett week or a Reynolds week to be on the field a lot. And by having both of them with Goff as your third quarterback, who's going really late, he's going after Burrow, he's going after Tannehill, he's going after Minshew, he's going after Teddy in DK. I think that, you know, Bridgewater and Minshew are my two go-to late guys that I can stack, um, you know, because you can get Robbie Anderson, you can get Curtis Samuel late. Uh, We already did Jacksonville. Uh, but uh, I, I really think that, um, that you know, those are – oh, and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo with uh, Jalen Hurd, uh, Brandon Ayuk. So you can, you know, don't stress too much about which third stack you're going to have till late and just let the board come to you it would be my advice, Mark. Yeah, 100%. And can I dive into a specific – team backfield stack that I think nobody is thinking about. Yeah. And in general, though, we've been talking about uh, wide receiver tight end stacks. I'm a big believer in the best stack is the, a, a, a number one running back with the number one wide receiver in the quarterback. But go ahead. Yeah. So I, I actually, I was invited to do this contest called the Draft Sharks Invitational, where they invited 60 people and did a small version of a best ball tournament. Yeah, I was um, there. And yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, tight, tight, tight. So we just, uh, I just did a podcast with them and breaking down kind of my draft in that format. Um, and one thing that I did that I, I think not a lot of people are thinking about is drafting the RB3 through RB5 of the San Francisco uh, 49ers. And the reason I say that is we know here that. San Francisco preferred to have Tevin Coleman toting the rock uh, or in the game first because he's the bigger back because he can wear down the defense. And then they bring in uh, in the late second quarter through the second half, they bring in these, these more satellite backs who all have the sub four, three speed. Well, we also know that Tevin Coleman has a thing called the sickle cell trait where he is classified as, one of the highest at-risk uh, demographics for COVID specifically. Um, with that, I actually did a little bit of investigative journalism myself, uh, and I got Tevin Coleman's wife to respond to one of my comments on Twitter. I, I thought that was really and, fun. Yeah, so she actually confirmed all the things that I was kind of saying, like, hey, like these are human beings. They have families. Tevin Coleman has twin uh, twin, I don't know if they're boys or girls, but yeah. I think it's one babies. of each, if I remember the thread. Yeah, and they, who each have sickle cell trait, and it's like, at at what point does the opportunity cost of playing football not make sense for these human beings? So, I think Tevin Coleman, even though we're past the uh, mandatory opt-out date, I, I think there's still a, a high higher chance than you know, with these other players that he might not finish the NFL season. Um, And now we're looking at 
Jarek McKinnon, Hasty, Jeff Wilson, who are RBs three through five on that depth chart. But if Coleman opts out, if there's an injury ahead of those guys, like we, we just don't know. So again, leveraging the unknown. And if you take two out of those three guys, there's a high likely chance or there's a high likelihood, I think more so than other backfields that you're seeing these week 14 or week 13 through 16 pop off weeks. In, in, in the running back position in general, uh, we've seen Keyshawn Vaughn uh, right after the draft, he was going fourth round uh, with the news that Bruce Arians always trustworthy, always tells us the truth. Bruce Arians, uh, said Ronald Jones is the guy and uh, Vaughn going on the COVID list. Uh, he's now going in like the 12th, 13th rounds of these. I liked his tape a lot. Did you get a chance to watch him? I did. Uh, and I also watched a whole lot of Rojo because I knew that that was going to be, after Tom Brady went to Tampa Bay, the running back for that team was going to be a high leverage, in a high leverage position for fantasy football. So I studied that backfield pretty extensively, and I actually came to the opposite conclusion than you did. I know we've talked about this before, but you're on team Keyshawn. Even be- This was before he went on the COVID list, but I was team Rojo, actually. Yeah, and, and I can see it, but, you know, my two concerns with Rojo are he's a bit of a head case, right? And people like that, you know, there's certain traits that you can improve on, Having mental, you know, deficiencies or and breakdowns, uh, and he's not a good pass catcher. In in Vaughn's tape, I think he's got some really natural hands. He's a good pass blocker, and what I like about him, and that I think uh, Bruce Arians is going to like about Keyshawn Vaughn is he gets the yardage that's there. Rojo runs hard, but he doesn't always run in the right spot, and I think that could drive Tom Brady crazy. Now. I wasn't drafting a lot of Keyshawn Vaughn. When they were even in the seventh, eighth round, I wasn't drafting a lot of either of them uh, until I watched uh, Vaughn's tape and really liked it. But now there's a five, six round difference between them. And, you know, we're talking about injury. We're talking about, you know, guys who could step in and do something. 13th round, Keyshawn Vaughn's the guy that I really like. Uh, at this point, you, you can like Rojo better and still draft Vaughn. Uh, Daryl uh, yep. Henderson is an, another guy who's dropped, um, you know, that you can get really late in these. A guy I'm not drafting in these because he's not a pass catching back is A.J. Dillon. I like A.J. Dillon a lot, but I think he really needs an injury. Uh, but a guy that I've drafted a lot of in these, I, I've always been a fan of his. And, you know, that we've had this whole Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing on Twitter And, you know, but DeAndre Washington going in the 12th to the 15th round in these best balls. I mean, one thing's for sure is he's an injury away from a really great uh, spot. Um, He might not be the best running back in the world, but he averaged more yards per carry in Oakland than uh, Damian Williams did in Miami. I think I remember you not being on uh, DeAndre, though. Uh, I was not, no. All right. Any late running backs that the high-low is on? Uh, I named the, the high upside guys, the, the pure cuffs, 
a little bit earlier, you know, Anthony McFarland, uh, Darrington Evans, Chase Edmonds, uh, the guys that we can with high confidence expect to step into a feature back role. Um, they're really, uh, there's not too many more that we can have that high confidence level uh, of them just stepping into what was vacated. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of situations in the NFL are a little bit more nuanced and fluid, but I think those three uh, we can project with high confidence that they might uh, be a factor, uh, a big factor this year. At wide receiver, my most owned guy in all forms of best ball this year is James Washington. Big home run hitter, exactly what you want, being drafted so late that really if he catches three long touchdown passes this year, he pays off his ADP. He's got a lot of room uh, beyond that. Uh, You know, we've talked about the Steelers stacks, but I think, you know, you don't have to have the quarterback to have a good stack. And there are drafts where I'll just put Washington with Juju or Washington with Deontay. I think it's a great one. Uh, Washington with Ebron. Um, But Washington and Deontay is probably my favorite that you can get pretty late. And they're very much correlated where, you know, one's going in the eighth round, one's going in the 15th round in these drafts. And if one of them gets injured, I know people talk about Claypool, but the Steelers tend not to in general play their rookie wide receivers much. Uh, I, I think, I think uh, James Washington is my favorite late wide receiver. How about you, Mark? Depends how late we're talking, but Marvin Jones is one that uh, in a best ball setting, you should be entirely overweight the field. Um, We mentioned him, alluded to him a little bit earlier, but not really in depth. Uh, Rashad Perriman with the Jets, uh, he should, you know, return value with ease kind of this year for his ADP. Uh, And then I do like, I do like the secondary and tertiary receivers out of pit like you talked as well. Cool. All right. Tight end uh, for me, the guy that I'm always staring at in the 20th round of these drafts is Devin Asiasi. Uh, Don't know that much about him. Didn't watch that much tape, but we know about new England and tight ends. And uh, you know, he's the most likely candidate to uh, you know, be the guy who catches the passes and he's going in the last round of almost every one of these. I mean, if he catches 40 balls as your third tight end and gets you five, six touchdowns, I mean, you've crushed the 20th round. Yeah. I I haven't taken much of him just because uh, rookie tight end plus the unknowns with COVID and stuff, but which is why he goes on the 20th round. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have no problem throwing those darts where uh, if you think that there's an edge to be had there for sure. Um, I really like Herndon to just absolutely annihilate his ADP. Um, I really like kind of these not talked about enough volume tight ends where in a full PPR setting are a little bit more valuable than half. Uh, Guys like Jack Doyle, uh, guys like either of the Minnesota tight ends at their ADP um, who we can expect to be on the field together, you know, increased snap rate from last year. Uh, so, Rudolph is my most owned tight end this year. Yeah. He's yeah, just so entirely, the, he's just entirely too cheap as the third, as the third agree. tight end. He is just way too cheap. He's too talented. A guy with digs gone to be going in the 17th round. 
Yep, 100% with you. So those are those are probably the three that I would leverage the most uh, with Herndon, Doyle, and uh, and Rudolph. So, Mark, um, I know you've got some big personal news this year. Why don't you tell the people what you're doing and um, where they can find that stuff? Yeah, man. Uh, so the first of which was uh, getting the opportunity to write a little bit more uh, than I had or contribute a little bit more than I had at uh, one week season. Uh, so I'll be actually in next Friday, I'm submitting the uh, the course. I'm building a, a game theory course for JM at one week season. Uh, that'll be available on the marketplace for purchase. And I'll also be doing a weekly game theory article uh, with respect to each individual slate. Uh, and that's for the main slates for this season. So that'll be over at one week season. Well, that, that uh, right, then, I just got a comment real quick on that. That's going to make yep. my study for our podcast so much easier. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, I think we're talking about releasing those late week, uh, probably on Friday or Saturday morning. Those will, uh, those weekly game theory articles will be up uh, over at OWS. And uh, what else is going on? Yeah. So uh, I am a co-founder of a, startup site uh, called Fantasy Football World Series, or FFWS, uh, and we are launching all kinds of good stuff this year, uh, everything from new formats. We're, uh, we're launching our quarterly format, which is you draft a team for a quarter of the season, and so uh, not to belabor this, but a basically a four-week season. Uh, we're also going to have season-long contests that leverage the quarterly format, and you will draft a different format each uh, quarter. Uh, and that's that'll be alternating from uh, standard PPR snake uh, draft, best ball, super flex, and then an auction format as well. Uh, so one thing that we're really, really trying to do over at FFWS is shift the focus from the game of fantasy football to the players of fantasy football. And we're kind of modeling that around or something similar to what the world series of poker did to poker uh, circa the early 21st century with shifting the game of the focus from the game to the players. Uh, and we have all kinds of exciting ideas of how we're going to make that happen. Um, but we want to find the best players. We want to ce celebrate the best players and then build kind of a celebrity aspect to that. Um, shifting the focus again from the game to the players, making sure that they are found and uh, rewarding them for that. So another aspect or component that we're building is the first ever season long fantasy football leaderboard. And that will be uh, released in a couple weeks. Um, so again, there'll be all kinds of cool stuff that'll be associated with that leaderboard. Uh, I, not at liberty to discuss those yet, but follow closely along because uh, we'll be releasing those uh, those updates here shortly. Well, I mean, I'm insulted you haven't invited me to play yet. Uh, hey, Todd, I'm going to invite you right on air, man. Would you like <laughs> to come? Would you like to come play in our ten thousand dollar buy-in rake-free invitational? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, I, you oh, know, dude. if 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 you do it if you do it next year and it's a thousand dollars, you might get me. 
and, and that's a shame because, you know, and, and look, I think it's awesome, but I know that there's a lot of guys like me who think we could compete, but we just don't because we don't feel the need to put up $10,000. Um, yep. So I hope uh, mid-level guys like myself, as you move forward with this, uh, have a chance to shine. Almost, you know, here, I, I, I'm getting an idea as we go. Similar to what happens with, uh, you know how soccer, like in England, there's the Premier League and there's 20 teams and every year, I think it's two of them uh, don't qualify to go back. Um, the, the last two yeah. place teams, they get relegated to the championship and the two winning teams from the championship get uh, boosted up. You know, if you have a mid, uh, you know, the, if you have tiers like that, and the guy, you know, the part of the prize could be, you know, you get one year of, of getting boosted uh, up the next year. Yeah. So these are definitely, you're nailing it on the head here, Todd, without giving away too much. Uh, I will hint at the fact that in 2021, the leaderboard is going to be a major share of everything that we're doing. So inv- invites to the invitational will go out via the leaderboard And we will also have uh, invitational mimicking events where uh, you can play your way and earn a seat into the invitational completely comped. Just like, uh, well, and and it's just very similar to poker again, where you can, what do they call those satellites? Satellites. You know, where you can, where you can play a hundred dollar satellite. And if you win it, you get into a thousand dollar tournament. Um, so I, 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 it sounds like that's where you're headed. I know you can't confirm yes, or deny that, but. <laughs> yeah, we got, we're going to have something for everybody. And again, our goal is to put the players first and take care of our players. So uh, we're, our, our game lobby for quarters specifically is going to launch uh, here in the second week of September. Uh, and one thing that we're going to do to take care of our players is we're going to have, we're going to beat all of the competitors with respect to rake. Uh, And it is going to be a tiered rake approach uh, as evidenced by the fact that our invitational is completely rake free. Um, And that's going to be a trickle down effect to all of our players. And we personally promise that no, none of our uh, contest provider competitors will beat our rake. So we're talking down in the five to eight percent range. Nice. So does this mean you can't play DFS this year? No, it doesn't mean I can't play DFS. Living in Arizona means I can't play DFS. <laughs> oh. So all right. I gotta well, on that. All all the things you don't think of when your wife asks you to move to Arizona. Yeah, well that was uh we're my my wife and I are both from Arizona, so when I made the the family moved to transition from active duty Navy. We kind of always knew that we wanted to come back here. So, well, hopefully Arizona changes its ways and allows for fantasy for uh, sports. Mark, always great. Any last thoughts on these DK uh, best balls that you think we might not have covered? No, I don't think so. I mean, the, the contests are there. It's good to see. I think this is a, this is a good thing for the industry as a whole with getting mass exposure to best ball, which is something that really 
we haven't had yet. You know, with the user base that DraftKings has established, getting all that entire user base introduced to best ball and playing best ball, seeing these big prize pools and stuff, I think it's a good thing for the industry. So I'm I'm happy for them that they uh, that they got it released, and um, hopefully it's just good things for the industry as a whole. Yep. So to to sum up, folks, make sure your roster construction is solid. Three six eight three is the uh, I would say the default. Uh, I wouldn't play around with twos uh, in this format, especially this year. Full PPR with bonus, um, and the fact that it's a tournament, so that stacks are very very important. And find different ways with those last two bonus rounds to differentiate your team so that if you're lucky enough to make it to the last week, you've got a player on your roster that an injury could give an opportunity to that could win you a million dollars. And that's going to do it for our show today. I want to thank my frequent guest, Mark Garcia at HiloFF. I'm Todd from PA, folks, and we will see you soon. See ya. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 